Good, I can do it again. What's up, everybody? When you hear that music, do you get a woody? I get a chubby. <laughs> I thought so, man. I could tell by the look on your face. I wanted to sing this on the intro. I was hoping he would join me, but then I... Go I ahead, sort of sing the Christmas carol. It's the most... Wonderful time of the year. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff. This week, um, we are honored to have a guest here that uh, he was a uh, NYPD sergeant. Sergeant. Intelligence Division. In the Intel Division. And then uh, he took his... Um, oh, you forgot the most important his thing. skills. He was a Marine. He, oh, he was a Marine, too. We're going to cover Oh, he all is that. a Marine. Once He's you're a, a Marine, a Marine you're right. always a Marine. Oh, yeah, that's there the, he goes. That's a little, yeah. little there indicator. Goes. There's right. no such thing as former Marine. You're always a Marine till so death. So he was a Marine, then he was a cop, and then Semper he took Fi. his special set of skills to Baghdad. Wow. And then uh, he did some mercenary work over there. He wrote a <laughs> book about it. It's called Brooklyn to Bag Baghdad. Uh, I started reading it, and uh, so far I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I'm up to page two. Let me tell you, man, the way you started read the whole first book. page. <laughs> I read the whole book. Christopher Strom, folks. What's up, Christopher? Hey, how's it going, This Mark? is nice my friend, Christ my new friend, nice Christopher Strom. Hey, pleasure, pleasure, thank Did you. Did you ever meet Bill before? Uh, no, I had not. I probably ran into him at some racket at some point yeah. or another or yourself, but I not I don't not that I remember. So how did, did you come on the job? Uh, 87. How did we hear about you? I'm pretty famous at this point. Uh -huh. No, actually, uh, I think somebody from uh, Chicago Review Press reached out to you guys. Okay, cool, man. I'm happy that they did. So, so you, you were, a new, first of all, where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from uh, Long Island. What part of Long Island? Uh, I grew up in, uh, well, I lived all over Long Island. I lived How in, old are you? I'm 58. 58, you look good. No, thanks. You're holding up, huh? I'm trying. Listen. <laughs> Squared I got, away. I got young kids. I got to stay right, vertical man. for What college. is that? You get like a 32-inch waist? 32, yes. <laughs> Nailed it. I can tell, man, this guy's in shape. That's, I'm going to button man, my jacket now. You work, <laughs> you're working in those bathhouses. Let me guess. Really those are uh, extra large underwear you're wearing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm checking them out, man. I'm scoping them out. So, uh, man, that's amazing to be in that type of shape. But, uh, God bless you, man. So you grew up in Long Island. What part did you say? Uh, I lived in uh, Garden City with my grandparents and then... Uh -huh. um, Big coin going. Well, how many, yeah, how many acres did you guys have? <laughs> yeah. we, li we lived in a very modest house, but uh, my grandparents uh, pretty much raised me. So. And where is your vacation in, the, yeah, in Jones Beach? Yeah, yeah. yeah Jones yeah, Beach, yeah. Jones Riviera. Beach. That's yeah, right. Jones Beach. Garden City's a, a pretty pricey town. I grew up in Levittown. That was the other side of the tracks. Was it know? like that back then? Was it pr uh, pr pricey yeah. back then, too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I would have to say so. You said you grew up with your grandparents? Yeah, my parents got divorced when I was three or four years old. I did the same old. exact thing. And I live with my grandparents, and God Pretty bless them. me too. Yeah, I mean, they saved my life. You, you know, I always joke around life. that uh, my, my my mom and dad they had a, a huge custody battle, and uh, my mother lost. She had to keep me, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then she said, "You know what? Guess what? I'm still winning." Because then she passed me on to my grandparents. Oh, my, my grandparents goodness. pretty much raised me. But, you but my mother had her own city, business, though. though. My mother was. Uh, she she was uh, a, a designer, so you know were, I lived with my grandparents, uh, but. She, it was because she was taking care of me. She had her right. own business to right. run. Right. You didn't grow up in Garden City, though. No, no, no. I grew up in Astoria. Astoria. That wasn't bad. But Garden City, yeah. I mean, you know. And how old are you? You said 68. 58. 58. What do you mean 68? What you say? 58. Oh, you said 58. Yeah. All right. Because, all right. So, okay. You're okay. For 68, you were great. For 58. <laughs> 58. All right. So, um, I'm trying to think of. 
You got, you got, where would you, where'd you go to high school? Did you play sports in high school? I played a little sports. I did uh, football in junior high and uh, first year of high school. And then uh, I joined the Marine Corps uh, five days after I turned 17. That's oh how, that's God. how much I was loving life in you Garden were, City. You were, th- were you thinking about um, joining the military as a young adult? No, actually. Uh, in middle, sc- middle school uh, and stuff? You know, my, my grandparents raised me and then my, uh, both my grandparents had passed away from one, my grandmother with cancer, my grandfather. Unfortunately, got run over by a car when oh, we were man. all living with him. Which it's a long story, but uh, I wasn't thinking about the military uh, until mm. I moved back in with my mom, and um, it became a mess. And I was like, I, I can't stay here. Mm-hmm. I just I'm losing my mind. I can't stay here. So you joined the Marines. I I went to Roosevelt Field on Long Island in Garden Holy City. Holy shit! Uh, to the, into the into the mall to the tr- well the recruitment th- office. Yeah, and actually they used to have um it's not it's not there anymore. But the, initially there used to be like a bus circle. Basically, you would take public transportation uh-huh. to the mall, and um, they had a recruiting station there for the Marine Corps. And I remember going by as a kid, looking at it and seeing these guys. I said, "Wow, that's something I would love to uh-huh. be." And uh, you have to have your parents sign off if you're under 18, yeah. right? Yeah. You know what's funny? When you mentioned that recruiting center and, and the way the image that you have on it, I always think about the movie The Wanderers. Do you remember that movie The Wanderers? <sighs> the Ford and Baldies? It took place in the Bronx. It was in the I'm 50s. The type of guy and it was Ray- always running around. Yeah, yeah. The that turn of the, the, the when right? right after Kennedy got killed, the, the way everything turned on the dime. <laughs> The way we went from like uh, almost an innocence of the fifties, the remnants of the fifties, and all of a sudden now, then you had uh, Kennedy getting killed. Right, right, right. But there's this one scene where the the, the Fordham Boldies go in there and they're all drunk, and they all sign up for the Marines. Yeah. yeah. And then they after they, <laughs> after they do the swearing, they regret it. Like, <laughs> terror. You don't remember oh, no. Terror? You don't remember Terror? Yeah. The, he was actually an opera singer. That big fat bull guy. Yeah. He was also in st- uh, with Richard Pryor. Uh, and Gene Wilder, stir crazy. Uh-huh. He was in the in the in the prison there. Yeah, he was a. Now, did you opera. sign up for four years? Or three? Four years, yeah. I, four and years. I and I don't know if it's like that anymore, but I I'm pretty sure that four years is the minimum for the Marine Corps. Uh, even to this day, I think it's still the minimum. I don't. So think that makes can, sense. I don't get the two years. I mean, what, what can you? Besides for the boot camp, keep him for four. Yeah. So he's 17 years old, and then. Four years, you're 21, and 21. and you get you couldn't wait to get the hell out. I bet uh, I couldn't wait to get out. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, listen, uh, you know, four years, 16 months out of that, I was on. A it's ship. pretty intense, right? It's very intense. I, I ha- listen. I had a very good. I worked on helicopters, so I ha- I wasn't infantry. Infantry, which is probably what most people mm-hmm. would associate the Marine Corps with, which is a big part of it, obviously. But I worked on helicopters and um, the, uh, the 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 the. Living conditions for us, even when we went out in the field, were much better than the actual infantry presence. So. Mm-hmm. Could you just just give us a hoorah? Hoorah! Oh, that's good, man. That scared <laughs> the shit out of me right there. That comes from they, in here. I always I worked I like with that, I man. worked with this guy Tommy Clark, and he was a Marine. Every time he saw a Marine on the street, he was like, yeah. however, every Marine does it different, right? Right. And right. the guy would look over, you. and they would be like, "It's almost like you know." It's not healthy. Secret Marine signal. It's not healthy to have regrets. <laughs> but one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't go into the military. I didn't have nothing going on after high school. Right. The only, the only thing, especially, <laughs> I didn't have a, just one person to go. Hey, why don't you just join the military and grow up and be, become a man? I could uh, never see you joining the military. Why not? I don't know. I you, went to military you, school. It was a, it was a, z- a natural. You're saying you would now because it's all that shit's over with. And well, no the point. only reason why I didn't join the military was because I went to military school. Okay. And I didn't want to do that anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, it, they I, used to I, beat the crap out of us. I understand. I understand. But uh, so you were, I'm sure you were really fit, right? You went to the, the, I was the physical, a, right? I was physical and I was uh, prepared. Um, 
I, you know, I had done a lot of running, 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 running every day. And uh, you're I still a big runner. Yeah, actually, yeah, I can yeah. tell because you have no like body fat. Yeah, actually, I'm uh, cock diesel, uh, but I'm not. <laughs> How do you know he doesn't have any body? Actually, I'm in, I'm, in the, thin, man. I'm in the gym with my Look son. You. All the time. Are you a 32 inch waist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I didn't see him without his shirt on. Oh my goodness! Because oh, he doesn't want to show that bulldog tattoo. He's got I have with no the tattoos. USMC. No tattoos. I don't know. Really? The first Marine. No I swear to God, the first Marine that didn't have a tattoo. I don't believe you. We want to see it. Strip him down, Richard. <laughs> so how did we get here? How did this show turn out to be us checking? It has nothing to do with this book. <laughs> nothing to do with the book. So you went, anything exciting happened while you were in the Marines? Actually, uh, the first couple of years, the Car- was during the Carter administration, so people were miserable. If you're a Marine, it's a miserable time during the Carter administration. I think that's when my father went into the Army. Yeah. Um, Carter just gave there was no war. T- there was no war time. No. And, uh, and it was funny because um, I was on a carrier, and we were in... Um, the Persian Gulf, which is now the Arabian Sea, and um, we were circling around, and um, I, I think what happened was... Wait a minute, you were in the Marines, but you were on a boat. Yeah, on a ship, on yeah, a carrier yeah. for the yeah. helicopters, right. And, uh, and, and what was funny about it was, at some point in time, they um, have to break out the rum rations. It's some kind of naval tradition or law that if you're at sea and you're not at port for X amount of days, they have to break out the rum rations. Mm-hmm. So... I'm like, all right, great, whatever. So that you mean alcohol? Alcohol, right? Yeah. You get to party one night. Well, basically. yeah, party. So literally, uh, you got in line, and they had cases of beer. I, I don't even remember what kind of beer it was. But I'm sure it was an American beer. And they handed you two beers, and then that was it. And then it was next, and then the next person got the mm-hmm. beer, and you walked through the line. It's just like a tease, too. Oh my god! And right? it's warm as oh can be. It was like you know, it's like who even wants it? It's it probably horrible. Paps Blue Ribbon, probably like yeah. Detective Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was the Navy. So. That's where you started drinking it, probably on the ships. <laughs> so you got your two warm beers, huh? And that was, and that it. was it. That was it. And uh, we did some. Uh, and nobody's going to be like, hey, you know, you, you want my beer? I don't even want Nobody, it. Yeah, exactly. You're like... Uh, you Everybody's know, drinking their warm beer and happy about it. How, how about can we just get off this uh, boat and get, go go ashore and drink a real cold were, beer? Were you drinking it with MREs? You're so far what? out. Pardon me? Were you drinking it with MREs? Uh, no, actually, on, you know, believe it or not, on a ship, the food is outstanding. It's pretty good. It's, really? I mean, considering it's a ship, it's amazing. I mean... It's almost like you're on a cruise, right? Well, I wouldn't go that far. It's a love uh, boat. There's, <laughs> the, at the time when I first... There probably is a lot of that hanky-panky going on there. It's the like a prison almost. Trapped away at sea. <laughs> the, fun, the funniest thing is... The, hey, uh, Christopher, what is that, a 32-inch waist? <laughs> 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 you thought you were going to be immune to this actually, shit. <laughs> actually, actually, I think at that point in time I had a 29-inch waist. So I've got, oh, I have, I have 29. Yeah, I had a 29-inch waist when I was six. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, so yeah. Jimmy Carter, man, that was uh, that was a really tough four years for this country, man. I remember, I remember, I was a kid, but I remember the gas thing, the gas straw, yeah, yeah. waiting in the line, rationing, yep. and the hostages. You, did, you, you had to go hostage. by your license plate, whether it was um, odd, day odd or, or even, even day, yeah, from yeah. when you can get when you can get online to get gas. It was ridiculous, and that happened. That lasted a while, man. And then they took the hostages. Yeah, they had the hostages, and then is that what you were doing over there? You were just well, because that could have turned to war. Well, they had. Some were you guys nervous that you're going to go to war? I, I wasn't because I, I knew with Carter we weren't going to war. So Marines want to go to war. We're relatively <laughs> certain we weren't going to go, and uh, we were having some problems with Libya at the time because Gaddafi was still alive, and yeah. um, they were strafing the boat, and uh, not our boat because our boat was a helicopter carrier, but one of the uh, boats that was part of the Sixth Fleet um, sent sent up a couple of uh, F-14 Tomcats and shot them down. So I remember distinctly. 
that they took this, uh, it was almost like white paint, but it wasn't paint, and they painted on there USA 2, Libya 0, like that on the flight deck <laughs> in letters that were probably, you know, 15, 20 feet high yeah. in numbers. So it mm -hmm. was pretty, it was good. It was that, you know, but this is way before the internet and you get everything secondhand, uh -huh. you know. So for all we know, that happened a week before and we didn't even know about it. It wasn't like CNN or. Fox News or anything like that. It wasn't that important, there. though, just as long as you saw it. Oh, you it was, know, you, you got know, the, you got the it, was, it was good. It was, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it was, you know, it, it's frustrating to just sit there and feel like you're not getting anything done. I mean, what what's the purpose of it? The Why Marines are always on the ship assistant in the Navy? Yeah, pretty there's much. No, the Marines no are part of the Department of the Navy, right? Yes. They're under the Department of yes, the Navy. Yes, correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. See, sometimes when you say that to a Marine, it's like, no, we're not. We're not. We're mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the, we call it the big gray taxi. Yeah. Uh -huh. so. Oh, yeah, the big yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, so you did that for four years. How old were you when you get out? 21. 21. Did you go right to uh, fr from from that and go right to the police department and Actually, take the police test? Uh, I, I applied for the police department. I tested for it. Um, I worked for a street lighting company for a couple of years. And um, I eventually uh, got called uh, to go into the NYPD. And because they had claimed the military preference points, they said, you can't because you weren't in, in this time frame. And I said, oh, I'm, you know. So I said, so what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So they said, well, you scored a 96. You need a 97 or better to, uh, or I, I had scored 100. But th because they took away the five points, it dropped me down to like 95. I needed a 96 or better to be in uh, that class. in that band, of yeah, band yeah, one. Right. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't know anything about the police department. So I said, I come home, I'm like, you know, pretty upset about it. And uh, I talked to my dad, who at the time was living in Flo uh, uh, Texas, rather. And I applied for a police department down there and got hired. And in the interim, they said, hey, your list number came up, oh, you goodness. know, come on mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'm already here. You're in, I'm in Texas, Texas over there. Yeah, and I was a cop down in Plano, Texas for two so years. And plus, you get to wear that the cowboy hat, the and big you get buckle, to learn the phrase jeans. You're, you're in a heap of trouble. Boy. It's so much better to wear <laughs> jeans, you know, in, instead of those those blue uniform pants, right? Did you yeah. wear the jeans and no, the buckle? Believe it or not, with the 32 inch we, waist. We, <laughs> we're not going to let it go. The uniforms were. Like something that you would see in a movie. They were the um, I know the, like the, tan those colored pants with the brown stripe right, right, and the right. brown shirt, and they were horrible looking. They but really they don't even have like a pension system in Texas, right? No, they well at the time um, they they all your money that you would be paying towards Social Security went into a state pension fund. Did you uh, ever work with Chuck Norris? No, <laughs> no. No, 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 oh no! Because he was probably out when he was. He, he was. He was, he was a ranger. <laughs> I think he was in East Texas. I was in Central Dallas. No, Texas. really. What part of Texas was it? It's right outside of Dallas, so a town called Plano, which is actually a very big town. And their police department is. Yeah, actually, they didn't uh, have a major incident over there in Plano. Something happened over uh, there, right? What do I know that name? I know it too. Mm. Something happened over there. Maybe it was this. Um, um, what do they call him? A serial killer it was from Plano, or something like that. I remember. Anyway, we'll get back. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that we'll out. We'll come around. We're rolling. All right, man. So uh, where were we? Um, Plano, uh, Texas. Plano, Texas. Yeah. You're working with Chuck Norris. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> How long did you stay in Texas two, as a cop? Two years. A and then two New years. York City still was calling. Yeah. So you were, you were in Texas. That w I mean, 
you had an apartment there and stuff? Did you know people there? Well, I, Your dad was down there, right? My dad was down there. I was married uh, to my first wife, mm-hmm. um, and so we both lived down there. So, um, yeah, you just left her? You said, I got called by the NYPD, I'm leaving, that's it? <laughs> His first wife, Dolly Parton. That's it, I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you ask her to come with you? Or? Yeah, no, she came with me, and, um, you know, we, we were there for two years, and then uh, what happened was... Oh, you met her here? Yeah, she's from. She was. She was from here. You drag her all the way to Texas yeah. and dump her off over there. Yeah. Plano. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you you got married here, yep. and then you go over there, Plano, for two years. That you're there. Yep. Did you like working there as a? Uh, you know, I liked the guys. Was it active? No. And what happened was they had specialty units, but the problem was the department at that time was about 125 guys, mm-hmm. and you know. The narcotics unit had three or four guys. You know, the uh, undercover anti-crime equivalent had like four or five guys. And uh, and you're from New York, so you're not going in that right, unit. Right, you're not going uh, anywhere. And if you get in that unit, it's going to be five, six years from now, maybe. Was there animosity because you're from New York? Uh, I would say that there were bumper stickers that said, if you love New York, you know, I heart New York, take I-30, I-40 East. <laughs> uh-huh. that, that was real. That uh-huh. was real. Yeah. The, as far as the department and, and my relationship with them, they loved me. I got along great with everybody. Yeah, you were a cool guy. It didn't really matter. Yeah, no. I mean, they're, they're, cops are cops. It doesn't really That's the way prejudice is anyway. It's always until you get to meet them or until you get to know that person. Right. You know, it's just... Uh, it's just you can't, you can't hate a, them anymore. It's a fear right. of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting along well there, but then the NYPD calls. So how was the salary over there in, in, in Plano? It wasn't bad. Um, was it comparable to New York? Was New York more... New York was more, but they had um, all kinds of off-duty employment there. Um, people Over there. Spent, yeah, and uh, in uniform. So, you know, things that we couldn't do here in uniform, you could you could do there, shopping malls, banks, uh, football games. That's something relatively new here with the NYPD. I don't know. It's probably been like maybe 10, 15 years with the off-duty employment. Right. But it, it, you could do that all. I had a fr- you know, I have a friend, he, he's a Cranston cop. Uh, he might be retired now. But I remember him getting a lot of off-duty employment like that, and you can get Nassau and Suffolk County. They make a mint doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we finally got it here. But, yeah. okay, so they had it out there in Plano. So, right, right. You couldn't so do that, that here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, and they literally had, uh, I'm not even kidding, they had a coffee can that they would fill with, so let's say 10 of us show up. They would take the numbers 1 through 10 and put them in the coffee can, shake the can, and you pull the tag out, and whatever your number was, that's what your pick was. Now, that was the overtime that was run through the department. There was other overtime that if you could hustle it on your side, you could do it on the side. So if you found um, a business that wanted somebody, whether it was seasonally or full-time, and that's something that you found on your own, mm-hmm. it, you, all you had to do was fill out a slip and see if the department would authorize it. And nine Off times out of ten, they would, yeah, they would, they would authorize it. So Yeah, we have that. We had that here, too. Yeah. So after two years over there in Plano, you packed up your stuff. Was it, was it an easy split? or It was an easy split because um, I just knew I, I, I couldn't see myself doing 20-plus years. I just couldn't. And they stay. don't really have a pension in Texas, no, right? No, no. And they, and so why would you stay? Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, other than the Social Security part of it. And, right, which um, you got to wait till you're 66 yeah, and a third. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And... Um, and I was like, you know, I, all my family was primarily still here in New York. Yeah, I get it. And, get it. Uh, you know, so it was... And it's, e- it's an exciting idea. Well, I mean, I always... When, when you look at a movie, do you say, I want to be a Plano cop, and I'm not knocking the people of Plano, because like I said, these are great guys, that, mm-hmm. girls that I work with. I have no problem with them. But as a kid, growing up watching movies and television shows, who want, you know, 
That's, I get it. I get that's it. That's what totally you want to be. You want to be an NYPD. I didn't want right. to be. I didn't look at Dragnet and say, you know, I want to move to California, be in Los Angeles. Right, right. That doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. That's never appealed to me. You know? Did you have to deal with a lot of Indians over there? Uh, indigenous? The uh, like uh, <laughs> no, I'm talking about Cherokees and, no, uh, no, and, no, and no, Apache no. because they yeah. have they they that's where they no pretty I, much roamed um, over there in Texas. It was actually uh, a predominantly white. It was mixed. There was uh, areas and enclaves that were mm-hmm. Spanish. Uh, uh, Mexican folks and stuff like that. You speak Spanish? I, you know, not as well as I used to. I, you know, when I was there and I had taken it fresh from high school, I was probably oh, you better take at one it. Those military immersion courses. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Those but, are uh, supposed to be pretty good. They were well. They're awesome. Mark speaks Spanish, but because he is Spanish. Oh, well, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> all right. So, so no. The reason why I mentioned the uh, the Indian thing was because I I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and he had the guy who wrote the book on the Cherokees and they talk about. Texas okay. and how you yeah. know the the last of the frontier. Right. So now you mentioned it, so that's why I asked you if yeah. if you had much dealings with them. No, they, the and, and and and, and, and geographically, I'm not sure if they were in part that of area. that community, but certainly in West Texas, I'm yeah, sure yeah. it's probably yeah. Texas the, is Indi- huge. Too. Oh my God! Yeah. Take your day and a half Gigantic, to drive through it. Yeah. it's unbelievable. I think it's the biggest state, right? Yeah. Um, California. I think California yeah. technically is bigger, but I mean to drive from you know from the far west to the far east mm-hmm. or vice versa, it's it's incredible. It's huge. It's it's a long day. Yeah. I, oh my God, I forgot to eat. So now you came back to New York. Uh, you pumping? You full of energy? What was your? Uh, I, uh, what year was that? No. Eighty-seven. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You go right into the academy. Right into the academy. Loved it. You loved the academy. Yeah, I mean, I loved certain aspects of it, yeah. but um, I hated the academy. I was, <laughs> well, I was, I was glad to get out of it, but I was. Yeah. I, I liked it, man. It. I wish it would have lasted. I would have stayed yeah. there a year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was already older. I was twenty five. I was, was twenty eight. To me, like it was too many kids. You yeah, know? to me, yeah, I didn't mind. Uh, see, I was like kind of sort of in between. Yeah, you know, like I was twenty five, but like twenty eight is another big difference. Yeah, I was older than, but I could yeah. still enjoy the, yeah. the 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 youngness of it. But what I liked was the fact that we were, we were like six months. We're getting paid. Yeah, you're out of harm's way. Let's stay here. I don't know. I'll well, stay. they always say you, you always remember everyone who's in your academy class. That's true, right? Yeah, the yeah, company. yeah. I mean, your academy company. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. That's true. Them, you know? That is true. And they also say that you're probably never going to see them again, which I probably, out of... I Some of them you never see again. Oh, well, it's I mean, true. if you go through the company yeah. where there's like 30 kids in your class at 35, you probably, maybe you see five of them throughout your career. I just mm-hmm. know now they're seeing me. The academy with company 48, 85, 48. How you doing? Remember the old squad. This is what happened to the old guy in the academy. (laughs) In your company. The old guy in your company. That's still alive. (laughs) He's still going. That's funny. That's funny. So where did you wind up going when when you graduated? Uh, Coney Island. Um, NSU, right? Yeah, NSU. Is it 10? Wow. I can't remember. I think it was 10. Uh-huh. Don't quote me on that. Was, and what precincts? And that was, was, that was bad six back one. then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was horrible. No, but there was four precincts they covered. What yeah, 6-1, 6-3. Uh, um, we went up you to the 7-0. Robbery's like uh, Or 7-1, excuse me. We went up to the 7-1. Seven, 7-1. Seven, one. One. But I remember, I remember... That's crack epidemic. That's ro- uh, robberies like crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember the best part, though, was like getting a foot post on the boardwalk. I said, oh... I, I remember calling uh, my dad one day and saying, hey, uh, 
I'm working. He goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm on the boardwalk in Coney Island. And my dad's originally oh, from nice. New York as well. Yeah. He's like, oh, wow, how cool is that? I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then all, you, all of a sudden you hear, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> oh, dad, I got to go. <laughs> and he became a Nathan's hot dog <laughs> champion. Oh, my either. God, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, no, I just made that car radios like crazy. <laughs> oh, you remember that? Yeah, the Benzie box. If you had to work anywhere, though, and you, but, uh, did you live in the area? No, I at the time I was living. Um, Still on the island? Yeah, I was on the island. Where was I living? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Syosset. What do you got to take the Bell Park? He always goes from one rich neighborhood to another. One city to Syosset. But what did you take the Bell Parkway down? Yeah, the Bell Parkway. Mm-hmm. Got off of Coney Island Avenue and looked, yeah. for, looked for a parking spot every day like everybody else. Yeah, that's crazy. crazy the car man. didn't get broken into or stopped the radio stuff. But doing that, so. for the, but doing that post over there, uh, life could be a lot worse than than no, I, the I, boardwalk. No, I, I, I listen. I loved it. I mean, uh, it was fun. It was exciting. Uh, you know, they you're actually, a kid. You well, yeah. I'm 24 years old, I guess, at that point in time, and you're riding around with a sergeant who's, uh, you know, at the time was the, your field training officer, and, right. and they were. You know, this guy that we had, his name was Smith, uh, Sergeant Smith. I can't remember his first name. It'll probably come to me. But he was a no-joke street operator, street mm-hmm. cop. And you're like, holy, you know, this is what yeah. I've been watching on TV and in uh, movies. Yeah. Like, this guy's the real guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I wonder and, if that still exists. I don't know. You yeah. guys probably know better than me. I don't yeah. know. You know, I'm, I, I, I'd like to think it still exists yeah. because, I, I mean, it's a job that we, I, I, I love. I'm what sure do you mean exists? Whether they still have well, field still have the, I don't no, think so I'm because they were doing the um, – Operation Impact. No, what I'm saying is that they have that hardened veteran sergeant that's teaching the. How, you, how cops. do you do that when you put all the new guys on a, on a foot post? I know on 125th Street. Right. Impact. To, yeah, uh, impact. That was it. a great idea. That's it. They're not. You know? They're not signed to command. Let's put brand new they're cops in the business precincts. They're on foot I don't know what the hell they're doing. It's one thing to have a foot post, you know, in, in the first two months when you get to out of the academy. But to, you're never going to see a car for the first six months, a year, maybe two years, if you're an impact. You know, unless you, it's to right. and from. Yep. They don't give you a car to, to drive around 100. You're Look, standing on the car. I remember my FTO now. He was a detective, uh, Bobby McGinnis. And he we had a good a real guy too. street guy, too. And, you know, Sergeant when you Fuqua. rode in the car with him, you were so psyched because you were like, oh, he's going to get me a mm-hmm. robbery. You know, he's right, going to get right, me a robbery right. car because, yeah, you know, you as a rookie, you're not going to find a robbery yourself. But he, yeah. he, this guy was like a magnet. You know, he we got had, our, our guy was yeah. Sergeant Bifuco. And uh, he was, he also, too, was, I think he was a street crime guy. Yeah. And then uh, when he became a sergeant, they, they, he wound up in the 102. Yeah. And we got trained well. We got the, trained well. The 102 is, it's like Mayberry or FD, though, isn't it? 102? No, that's uh, Richmond Hill. Place. You had, uh, it was, I mean, it's not like the 75, but no. it was like kind of, it wasn't the 111. <laughs> it was right I in the middle. I thought I saw Andy Griffith behind the desk when no, no, I passed no, that that's place. No, well, that's the 111. Uh, yeah. And then, no, the, one, the 102 is like right in the middle. Yeah. It's right next to the 103. As well it should be, because yeah. they follow each other in numbers. I remember, th- <laughs> we're talking about in, in when you came on and when I was on, you couldn't even park a car that was, like, a, if you vouched a stolen car, right. they'd re-steal it yeah, from yeah. the precinct block. It oh, was yeah. unbelievable, oh, I remember, you know? I remember one time this guy, we, we went, ugh, I don't know, I was directly involved in it, but I heard this story from somebody that I work with. 
They found the car, a stolen car. They bring it back to the guy's house. It's an old man. They knock on the door. They says, oh, we recovered your car. The guy looks. He goes, where? He goes, it's right there. He goes, oh, that's not my car. My car was blue. He goes, no, the guy painted it. He goes, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, have, that, I didn't have that grill on there. He goes, yeah, he changed the grill. But those aren't my tires. He changed the tires. I didn't have tinted windows. He did that, too. Like, the guy did the he whole car, the car. And it, it wasn't even his. Oh my it was a complete disguise. No, but we, one time this, we recovered this. It was a late model Nissan. It was, it was like six months old. And we called the people, come to the precinct, get your car. Uh, can we wait till tomorrow? Yeah, sure. It was stolen again <laughs> oh that night. God. They had to sue the police department, you know. Oh, my but God. But we called them, come get your damn car, you know. They, we used to put, I don't know if they, if they had it when you were on, uh, they put a boot on it. Yeah, on yeah, cars like that where the that. ignition was like somehow disabled. They no, would, we would take the coil wire <coughs> off. You oh, okay, yeah. That, I think we did These that. guys would bring their own... They knew oh that's what you did to disable oh it. They bring their own coil wire Crazy. and just reconnect it. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, crazy. These car thieves were pretty ingenious, you know. <laughs> so you're in Coney Island and uh, you're making collars. I made a few collars, um, but you know it. It was so few and far between that 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 kind of period kind of dragged on a little bit. You know what I mean? It was I was happy to finally get to, to the actual precinct, mm -hmm. the one on one. Precinct, um, because your oh, you car, did the summer detail over there. Yeah, yeah. So your but your car tours were like once every two weeks. Yeah. So yeah, you, you know, I mean, and you know, that's a special detail. That summer detail on the beach. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's, yeah, and I did remember you, people. Did you, you get any medals in an NSU? No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I was racked coming out of NSU. Not me. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just kidding. Huh. Three EP. I had a, I had a Meritorious in an EPD. Yeah, but you got into that. You got into that shooting, didn't you? No, not a shooting. Not a shooting. You took the guy's gun, right? Drop it in, in the doorway there from our first episode. You were oh yeah, bank robbery. Oh no, no, it was, was a gun collar. You went from the roof. Yes, you yeah, down. yeah. When I was a rookie cop. I made yeah, a gun that's collar first in two, three. Yeah. He tells. I told that story. He got. He told the one story that he had. Yeah, no, the one story I had in my twenty-seven year career. <laughs> well, the one, the one war story. I can yeah, tell. Right. Okay. We could still, have a movie about it. You guys are still working on mine. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we had Ralph Friedman. He had like uh, what do you say? How many off-duty collars? No, but he had thirteen shootings, six, four kills. Yeah, but I, think, I remember the off-duty collars. He had over a hundred off-duty. Yeah, he was, oh but that was a different year. It was seven, yeah. 1974. Oh my I'm still working yeah. on my my first off-duty yeah. collar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ralph, Ralph killed a killed the guy off-duty, and and remember the guy jumped on his car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he killed one guy and shot another guy. Uh -huh. And he was go on a date with somebody. Yeah, that, that shit never happens. happens to it me. Happens. That shit. <laughs> Hey, listen, once in a while it happens. <laughs> so when did start when did things start getting cooking here, Christopher? You're in the middle of the the police thing. When do you get when do you start doing the intel? You know, to be honest with you, um <clears throat> I got promoted to sergeant and they moved me uh to the uh, seven six precinct. So you weren't doing investigative work while you were a cop? I did I was in a robbery squad for uh uh, robbery task force for four years. So I was doing anti-crime and I was doing the robbery thing. I used to investigate robberies too. I, I liked it. <clears throat> that was fun because we, it, we were assigned primarily to Queens, but we had the whole, the whole borough and, mm -hmm. uh, we would just go and pick a precinct, and if we weren't directed, you know, we would just... Were you bur borough anti-crime? It was oh. like a borough anti-crime, oh, okay. but they called it a robbery squad, right. and uh, no feeding off the radio, no sharking, and right. um, it was... It was but you were, you were part of patrol, not the detective bureau. No, well, I guess, yeah, technically we were part of patrol. We fell out underneath the barrel, but we were stripped down, plain clothes, uh, mm -hmm. smooth cars, mm -hmm. um, and all kinds of crazy cars, vans, Maximas. And uh, and so kind of like street crime light at the mm -hmm. time, 
but um, I can remember driving down uh, Jamaica Avenue in the 103 mm-hmm. and seeing uh, people pulling their pants up and saying, oh, street crime was here, it's time to move on, we'd have to move on to a different location yeah, because yeah. the fish were already fished out of the pond. We can't, we can't work here Taking anymore. Taking guns off the street like yeah. crazy. They hit yeah. a neighborhood in the after- Yeah, it would go cold. Uh, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna, in a little while, they're going to have to start doing that again. Yeah. yeah. The only question is how long do you think they're going to pretend like they don't have to? Are we going to go through this for know. a year, two years, five years? Well, they changed. Yeah. They changed. Stop question and frisk so much that you know. I don't know if guys oh, but want to do that. It's going to come back. You know? It always does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just a question of how long. So then you get promoted to sergeant. I get promoted to sergeant and um, do the patrol. And, uh, and then what ends up happening is uh, I end up inheriting the snoo spot. So I'm kind of like some somewhat plain clothes. I'm doing narcotics now, and um, I'm working with a phenomenal team. People Snoo, that Snoo just for our audience stands for Street Narcotics Enforcement Unit. Yep, they have to work out. They're not allowed to go inside. They work out on the street. They're in uniform. They do so OPs, observation o- o- points. Observation. They watch the sale, and right. then they catch the car, arrest. prison yeah. car. Very exactly. similar to the actual narcotics bureau, the premise and the and the methodology. Um, and I inherit that position, and um, the uh, the felonies took off, and we're now I'm working with young, uh, they're not kids, they're all married and, and have kids of their own, but young a young group of people, people that like uh, Esty and Ginger and uh, Freddie and uh, Stevie and Nancy, and it's like the United Nations, and we're all under this one umbrella and going <laughs> out there, and we are just having a ball. I mean, mm-hmm. we and then we're doing search warrants. Uh, who got their first gun collar? And I'm like, this is so much fun. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I never wanted to leave. Well, I'm saying all that is because what happened was uh, when they expanded the intelligence division after 9-11, they wanted FIOs to go. And they already had a, an what FIO. Is that, a FIO. field intelligence officer. Okay. Right. Yeah. And they had... Uh, but, you know, one, people want to go into SNU basically because it's big overtime. Oh, it's big overtime. Yeah. Steady days And off. they won't shut you down. It's, Ste- yeah, yeah. Steady you overtime. You can make 60, 70 hours a month. Easily. Right? Easily. Yeah. Easily. Wow, and, the, and, good. Yeah. and the people were phenomenal. I mean, the, the, the group of good. people... In, f- in fact, I'm very close to them to this day. We call each other, text each other. You spend more time with them than your wife. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's unbelievable. And phenomenal people. And, and uh, But then what happens is, in, for the intelligence division... The uh, one uh, sergeant that had this fellow, Freddie Dare, he got promoted to lieutenant. And now there's a vacancy, and they want me to take the spot. So um, I really didn't want to go. And uh, the, the, the precinct commander at the time, was uh, his, name was Cap- his, his name is Captain Dave Barrera. I think he's a two- or three-star chief. He's still on the job. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal guy. What's his name? Uh, Dave Barrera. He's a great, he's a great guy. And, uh, but anyway, uh, my son had gotten sick. And uh, he, when I was a sergeant, and he assigned me to employee relations for eight weeks to be home with my son while he was sick. So um, he asked me. Um, Your son Christian, right? Yeah. He's in the audience. What's up, buddy? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm glad uh, you're feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we have an audience, which is really, really great. I was only like 15 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He looks pretty healthy now. Yeah, he looks he's, good. He's yeah, a handsome boy. He's bigger than me and strong as an ox. So. Handsome boy. And you brought uh, your niece? And she's a film major in SUNY Purchase. What's your name? Hi, Lauren. Lauren. And your brother-in-law, too, right? Steve. Steve, what's up, Steve? Yeah, we got an audience we got here. We a whole yeah. family yeah. here. This yeah. is pretty good, man. I yeah. like it. Yeah. At least we got a few chuckles out of them. Yeah. We know our jokes are working. Yeah, we were on a roll, man. So, you, so uh, you were in employee relations. That's the one thing about the job. If you have a situation like that, a crisis, uh, they do come to your aid, and they'll put you in a position... 
you know, because now you can't do your regular job anymore. But they'll make it make it a situation where you can work, right? Still right. keep your check, but right. also care for your loved one. Yep, yep. That's so the one great thing about the job. So, and and yeah, exactly. And then my when that when that my son got better, obviously I went back to work. But um, Captain Barrera, Dave Barrera, uh, had moved on, and we had gotten a new uh, precinct commander, Captain uh, uh, Harris. And he asked me to take the spot, and I was like, I, I'm, I'm doing snoo, and it was great. Right. And I had a great team, and I was like, Intel? I'm like, I'm suiting tie. Right. I'm like, I, this, you know, I'm a street guy, and I was mm-hmm. really re- looking forward to it. So long story short, um, uh, Dave Barrera had given me a phone call, and he said, can you do me a favor, take the spot? Uh, Captain Harris is asking me to ask you. I said, not a problem. I'll do it for you, boss. I'll do anything. Mm. You know, because he got me off for my son when yeah, my son yeah. was sick. And uh, I, it turned out to be the best career decision that I begrudgingly took because my career took off after that. Um, but had he not asked me to do it, I probably would have, I, I don't know where I would be at this point in time. I don't, I certainly wouldn't have been in the intelligence division, that's for certain. So, so explain to us our audience here, what actually, an intel, you know, if you're working in the intelligence uh, unit, what does that actually entail? Like, what, what is it that you do? What's well, your job description? Well, I ran the uh, leads desk. I started out as a field intelligence officer. Now, so the leads is uh, people call in, they have a, like a hotline, right? Yeah, they, right. When uh, After 9-11, um, the, the crazy lady with six cats next door says, hey, you know, something weird's going on next door. This guy has uh, people coming over his house on a Monday at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, he never leaves the house except to go out and get groceries. And, uh, oh, well, by the way, he's Middle Eastern. Mm. So it's self-generated from the public because people have been told to call in. So the intelligence division... You see something, say something. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And so that would be like one one type of call that we might get. But the other types of calls I did were live responses, so things that you would see on the news. So an explosion or a train derailment, was, was it an accident? Was it... Um, equipment malfunction, or was it sabotage, or was it something even mm-hmm. more nefarious? And then you have the ones that, um, the other investigations that just kind of start off with nothing, and now they become a full-blown-out surveillance, introduction of undercovers, um, controlled buys, and things like that. And then usually the FBI will get involved and say, we got it from here, we'll take we'll take." There over. was a lot of uh, friction between our job and the FBI oh. during those years, too, because I know Ray Kelly how long is How long is this show? Right, Ray Kelly mm-hmm. hated the FBI. How long is this show? Yeah, it seems to, like uh, the FBI comes up a lot on the show. Well, and no, but Ray Kelly positive. used to, um, tre- I guess, tread on what they felt was their territory. Absolutely. And vice versa. Well, I mean, it, it's uh, there's a bunch of articles from Ray Kelly saying that um, we're going to do what... what, what I'm paraphrasing. We're going to do what hasn't been done. We got punched in the face twice. Yes. And both times, uh, I'm here to say it, uh, they were in charge of it. They had information about it. Uh, and the didn't first tell one, anybody. They didn't, not only did they not tell anybody, but then they tried to cover it up. Yeah. I hate that bullshit with so, the FBI because you're right. We're here to protect the city. And you got 35,000 law enforcement officers, and right. you're not telling us that no. you're looking for this and guy or this I, van or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, and you're going to say, oh, it's top secret? Get the fuck out of yeah. here. It's, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a reoccurring problem. Yeah. Uh, from, the, from the guys that I talk to today that are still in the intelligence division, um, what you see on TV is not how the real uh, meshing relationship is in reality. So, Well, do you, um, from our end, when you were working in the intelligence division, did you guys get... Uh, information and was there an obligation to share with the FBI? And did you? Well, the, the way it worked is when you wrote your your five, you typed it up, 
and it went into a central database. This is before, uh, or rather, after you had the five-part, you know, fives that you're writing, piece went here, piece went there. Now it's all computerized, and so what's happening is it's going into a pipe into the intelligence division, and there's no reciprocal uh, flow of information. In other words, your information goes in, and they can see it, but any information uh, beyond... They, have, they don't tell you. They're not, not only are they not telling you, but they're watching you, so they know when you're getting close to do a search warrant. So, you know, you've got, uh, it started with a silly lead with the lady with the cats. It's expanded into a full-blown-out investigation, surveillance, overtime. Uh, we're getting ready to take the, the case down. You know, mm -hmm. they know that application is coming because they're reading your fives, and they're like, hey, then my phone would ring. Mm -hmm. And they would say, hey, you know that case you got? We got a parallel investigation right, or yeah, a, yeah. A, su a subject in mm -hmm. common, and, you know, we're going to... hold off on it? Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of this, I would imagine. Like, I remember... You know, when you catch a case, right, a lot of times there's a lot of note-taking, yeah. you know, and you, the, the piling up, and then when you get that Sunday, when you can actually sit back, that's when you start doing your fives. Now, so basically you had information about the case right. for over maybe a week or more, right? and it's still not actually documented where anybody could see or in that pipe. Right. Now, if you're working and all of a sudden during that course, before you actually put it in, right. there was something good there, you might... Say, you know what? We're going to hold off one more week, mm. uh, and, and then I'll catch up on my fives then right. and right. see where it goes. Because otherwise, you know, somebody's going to step in, like you said, and try to take it away. But right. you know something? That came into play even with homicide investigations. We'd have a subject, and narcotics would have a huge narcotics case. And we'd be like, guess what, though? We have a murder. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't care that you got a kilo case. We have a fucking murder. Mm -hmm. right, so that exactly. should take precedence over your kilo. Exactly. You know, right. but sometimes they wouldn't tell you. No. No. So that that's pretty, you know, that's like our job being like the FBI. Please. Well, sometimes if you have a, especially a narcotics case, you could have undercovers in there and you got to pull them out and square them away before, you know, because if the whole thing blows up. Yeah, it can. But the problem is, is that someone else could be murdered by this sh shooter that you have that's while they're too. waiting on it. You know what I mean? Because they, they, right. they, you know, they don't want to tell you about that so case. so funny how like uh, every single person that we uh, guess that we have coming in here is always, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, we're getting top-notch guys, so they're going to work, you know, with other agencies. When you get to the top of your your uh, field over here in, in the NYPD, you're going to start working with uh, other agencies. And it's always, uh, you mentioned the friction, but it's more than that. It's, it's, um, huh. it's, it's um, I guess we have a culture, and the FBI has a culture that doesn't yeah. mesh with our culture. Right. Yeah. You know? And that's the problem. You know? Well, it, it, unfortunately, we don't have a podium here because if we did, all you'd have to do is put it out like a duck decoy and somebody would be willing to stand behind it. That's really how I feel. <laughs> I, just to give you a thumbnail sketch about how, how much love I have for them. Uh-huh. So I just want to be clear on that. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, Michael O'Keefe is the, you know, he had He's that, another one. He had that case, you know, he shot and killed Kiko Garcia, which started the Washington Heights riots. Mm -hmm. And the mayor at the time was so pissed that he didn't get indicted that he sent the feds after the anti-crime in the 3-4, and one of them wound up getting arrested for a perjury trap, and he yeah. did a year, and they wouldn't even put him in a federal prison here. They sent him to Kentucky. Holy so Michael O'Keefe, like, he has no use for the feds, right. you know? Right, mm -hmm. right. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, tell us more about the intelligence division. Um, so I worked for a guy named Vinnie Mara. I don't know if... Uh, yeah, I, he was a chief, right? He, uh, he was a deputy inspector when I left. Yeah, I think he made chief um, eventually. But the, um, the interesting thing about Vinnie Mara was uh, Vinnie was a, a rising star and uh, beloved in the intelligence community. And he surrounded himself because he came from a narcotics community. 
and he got drafted into the intelligence division uh, post 9-11. And so the following that he had was obviously mostly narcotics detectives and cops and sergeants and lieutenants and on and on. So they were cr incredibly loyal to him. He surrounded himself with uh, smart people. He's a brilliant guy, but he is from Marine Park, Brooklyn, and he's probably one of the most unassuming people that you will ever meet. Uh, blue jeans and a T-shirt was his standard fare, and Commissioner Cohen was the deputy commissioner or the, the commissioner of the intelligence division on the civilian side. And um, whenever Wasn't he, had he a, a fed, was he a fed? Cohen? He was a 36-year CIA analyst, not an operator, not a okay, case officer, so but he's from the CIA. From so that. he brought a lot of his methodology and things into the NYPD, and it really stretched the Patriot Act. I mean, I learned a lot about the Patriot Act, and I know how to apply it. Yes. And at first, I didn't know how to apply it, but I became very boned up on it very quickly mm -hmm. on how to use it, um, and not in an abusive way, obviously, but in a way that, you know, if When we you talk about the Patriot Act, you're talking about a special set of rules that came during the wartime. Correct, correct. After post-9-11, basically, the rule of thumb was uh, if you can establish a nexus to terrorism, uh, that was that was the uh, the green light to open up an investigation. So whether it was self, so you didn't need a warrant. You didn't you, you didn't need a warrant. A warrant. Yes. And if you arrested somebody or you detained somebody under the Patriot Act, uh, you could detain them indefinitely until you could prove otherwise that they weren't. Whereas opposed to obviously a criminal in a state statute, you know it's got to be a probable cause right. to make the arrest. You can't just, you know, But that, that stuff always has to be rechecked because oh, yeah. there can be abuse with that. Oh, yeah, because that's something that's under this, almost like a state of emergency. We're yeah, allowing emergency, these uh, like the emergency institutions exactly. to uh, yeah. take right. these, uh, use these tactics. Right, right. But once you, you know, you get your head above water, you're supposed to... Um, what we're talking about for our audience Revisit is the exceptions to a search warrant. One of them is the emergency exception. Which well, the, all the laws, yeah. all the laws that are but put in place. if there's an emergency, you don't have to get a search warrant. You can boom a door. You can do whatever right. you have to do. Right. Like, for example, right. the detention. You know, we all know how many hours uh, you, you can hold somebody prior to actually being able to charge them. Or how long they can, you know, actually stay in in a, in a jail as right. opposed to having to finally go to prison. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Those mm -hmm. those type of things. Right. And they're all created so you know the, the justice system has to move a little bit. Right. Right. You know, and you don't have the wrong guy in jail for two, you know, more more time than he really needs to be. But you guys, when you when you have that nexus of terror and you're building up that case, you can hold on to somebody. For, for years. You can, you can, I mean, there, there are limitations. And what was great about the uh, intelligence division was we had lawyers on staff. Mm -hmm. So I, I would go, okay. And the one guy's name was Stu. So I go, Hey Stu, it's Chris. This is what I got. Let me tell you what I want to do. Then you tell me if I'm on solid footing. Mm -hmm. And Stu would say good to go or not, no good. Cut mm -hmm. him loose or cut her loose, whatever, the, whatever mm -hmm. the situation was. So we had that in the, in our back pocket always to, to know that. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't win all my arguments. Sometimes it would be like, no good, you know, but I won. But that's good that you're checking in with a lawyer exactly. so that he, you know, right. I did the, he told me I was on good legal ground. Right. So he said, no, don't do it. And I didn't do it. Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And then I, you know, the, one of the problems became with the NYPD was, uh, the handshoe law, which, uh, is a, a law that basically says the about police surveillance, right? about surveillance, yeah, the yeah. police department wasn't allowed to surveil, uh, Political activities, religious organizations, 
Which is uh, so ridiculous yeah, when you yeah. think of it. Yeah, well, I mean, if we're not going to profile and we're not going to uh, look at where a crime pattern is, then all the analysts need to go home. Right. We need exactly. to stop paying them exactly. because there's no reason for them if their purpose is Because well, a lot of these terrorists hide behind religious institutions the, the whole, the, inside the mosques, right? Well, not only the, the mosque is a big problem uh, because a lot of that is where, where this indoctrination of radical Islam takes place, but also you have to remember uh, CARE. If you walk down Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, they would have posters donate to care right which is uh is is a is a um what's the acronym mean exactly? uh council for arab arabic islamic relations and it's a front company that funds terrorism right. to this day and the fbi has tried twice to bring them to they've indicted them twice and tried to prosecute them and they have better lawyers than our u.s attorney wow they 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 win you know they win every case that they go to trial with so they're out there fundraising under this benevolent organization and right. make no mistake about it it's a front organization for terrorism that's where they get their money and they they have great uh, public relations people to make it seem like to good muslims to, to good uh, uh, faith mm -hmm. faithful people yeah. that this is a legit organization not knowing that they're donating to a terrorist front organization right, right. And, and and they're, no, and they're sophisticated i also seem to recall a lot of our cops got um deputized as federal agents Right, because Joint Terrorist Task Force, you right. have to be a Fed, uh, right? So you're a Joint NYPD, and I remember a couple of inspectors or chiefs were called in by the police commissioner, and he would tell them, "I'm not allowed to tell you that," and Kelly would get fucking pissed, yeah, yeah. and they were like, "No, I could be arrested if I tell you that," yeah. and uh, the guy Shea, who's the head of Jersey City, now, right, he right. refused to tell him. He said, "No, I'm I, I I'm forbidden to tell you that." Yeah. I yep. mean, just think of that. Yep. I'm sure Kelly was like, you know, his Marine face probably. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, I was, uh, I wanted to ask you this earlier. How many of the uh, the cases where you mentioned the first type where the, the lady with the neighbor next door and the people come at 10 o'clock and he never goes out except for groceries. How many of those cases actually turn out to be, not turn out to be somebody, you, you send somebody out. How many do you actually send somebody out to check this out? Yeah, there might be some meat on that. Bone yeah. Well, uh, let me. Uh, unlike certain other organizations, uh, and I, I, I'm very proud of the NYPD. I love uh, the cops. I love cops in general. Period. But in the intelligence division, there was no such thing as answering a, a complaint from your desk. You had mm -hmm. to do a door knock. You had to do maybe some light surveillance, mm -hmm. find out what's going on, a canvas on any lead that came in, even the crazy lady with the cats. Mm -hmm. But to to answer your question, the percentage of cases that actually went from the lady with the cat is probably around 10 percent or less mm -hmm. but it, you're never going to answer that from your desk yeah. you can't you have to go out there and talk to this lady and it's almost like because you, you guys are all from new york who knows more about what's going on in the neighborhood than yeah. the old lady that sits Looking on her the window. Step, step in Brooklyn or looks out right exactly She's and got they a pillow. know they have the they pillow know. The window, you know the yeah. pillow that they take they put <laughs> They put on the windowsill like this, That's so then right. they sit they on the windowsill just day. looking out all day. It's better than television. Yeah. yeah. And they, <laughs> they know and, everything and going on in the neighborhood. They know, they know everybody. Who's, who had a birthday party? Who got a new refrigerator? Who's what time they left? Who, who, why did the plumber come to your house? So why who's was the, cheating on who? Yeah, they know everything. You know, and, like you were saying how that you love the NYPD and the people you work with. One of the things I want to get out to our audience, too, is that the most competent agency in the city of New York is the police department. No, there's no question there about There are so many incompetent agencies. Oh, my God. And the police department is the most competent. So it's, it's unbelievable. People don't realize, I, I've said this before, people have asked me, 
the NYPD Intelligence Division is the Google repository for human intelligence, yeah. period. Anybody wants to argue with me about that, I'm happy to take that argument on. I know for a fact, I know the amount of work that gets done there in a day. I know the commitment of the people in that in that division. I wouldn't let me, argue let with me, you. Let me just tell you something. If you're a slacker, you might be able to kind of hide a little bit at a precinct level, because mm -hmm. we all have that. We have that 5%, 10%. Sure. You're not a slacker in the intelligence division, because there's a million people that want your job to go there for right. the overtime, for the experience, for the exposure, um, maybe to, to move on in another career path. Well, like once you, you say, you get you get a tip. It has to be checked on and closed out. Absolutely. You know, you're Absolutely. not going to, oh, that's bullshit. That's the lady with the cat again. Yeah. You got to go there and check. Absolutely. Without question. We have the same thing. We open up a tip book on a homicide. And, you know, maybe one out of 200 are good, you know, but exactly. you got to check every single well, one Well, it's out. funny that you mention that because a lot of uh, figuring out where you want to work when you're on the job is uh, like the first question would be like, you know, what tours you do? What right. are your RDOs? What, right. What's your regular days uh, yeah, off? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how much overtime? Exactly. You know, exactly. where is it? Do I get a category one car? Do I get a car? You know, and all these, didn't these questions. Cars? I did. But, oh, look at that. He got questions. <laughs> I had a fucking car. <laughs> of course you did. I had my Toyota he to sell a, back then. No. <laughs> you don't think he's going to leave his desk and, 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 and work on getting in a... Can I get a car to go out and invest? No, they get their own. I had some shitty cars, cars during my police career. You man, start your tour at your house, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. If, I get a, if, I get, if I if I got a phone in for for a lead or a job or something that was jumping off, I, uh, you're on the clock. That's great. And uh, my and it's funny because my buddy Sean Gelfand um, was his father a chief? No, his Elson father wasn't, but, but it's the same name, spelled yeah, the same Elson way. But Gelfand was yeah, the COE, uh, a big chief. He ran the fusion cell, so. You know, the, to give you an idea, there were four sergeants at the Leeds desk, so I was one of the four. So I had Brooklyn, but I also had Manhattan, 59th Street South, east to west. But we went beyond that. But if something jumped off, and I usually worked from 8 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, most days, not always, but most days. And um, I can literally remember being on the Bell Parkway, hitting Coney Island Avenue or even beyond, and my phone ring. We had job phones. Uh, which I'm sure is a homicide uh, yeah, I had squad. A, I you had, had it. You had it. You can't turn it old fucking next. Oh dose. yeah, that was the next. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly what it was. And you and 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 uh, and so my phone would ring it, and it would be Sean. He goes, uh, "I got something. Then you know, just you know, just uh, turned up, and it's kind of hot. And the chief has called the desk. Um, Are you on duty or off duty?" I said, "Well, I'm off duty." He goes, "Do you want to be on duty?" I'd be like, uh, "Well, what is it?" He goes. I really, you know, I don't want to get into it over the phone, but it's, you know, I, I'd be like, all right, I'm up. just put me back. I just turn, literally turn the turn car around, back around back. and mm -hmm. come back because you weren't, I mean, we, but that's not just me that did that. Right. That was the people that worked for me that worked in well, the How many hours did you work a year overtime? Well, uh, God, when I, I'll tell you what I did. I vested out with my time. I, I think I had close to 1700 hours. Wow. So, and that's not counting the actual So you mean to tell me picture. that scene in the movies where the guy's ready to get it on with a girl, they just had their wine, and they're ready to kiss, and all of a sudden, din, 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 his, his, his buzzer's going off, <laughs> and then he looks at it, he's like, ah, oh, baby, I gotta go. Like, that that, yeah, that actually happens? Shit happens. It's, it's, it, it's happened. I wouldn't say the romantic yeah, part see, of my <laughs> house is probably well, listen, <laughs> But clearly the part about getting the phone call either at home well, or Well, what I was home. bringing up before was about... Um, the things that you look for when you're looking for a place to work. And depending on where your priorities are, your kids are a certain age, you want to coach the baseball, or you ha your wife works, whatever it is, um, you know, those are your priorities. But when you work in an intel unit or a unit like this, 
all those things go out the window because right. your priority is going to be work. Yeah, done. Everything else will done. be worked out. Yeah. I don't care where this place is. If I got to commute there, it's two tolls. Uh, I got to get up at three it's o'clock. It's got a category in the one. What does he give a fuck about a toll? He's <laughs> got an easy pass. No, on but the my department. point is, my point is that um, there's places that you work where you ask certain questions. And there's places that you can possibly work if you work if you can have the opportunity to work hard enough to get there where you don't care it doesn't no, nothing's going to get in right, the way of this right, right. that's the that's that type of place yeah. everybody who's there is there because they want to be there because right. they want to work nobody this got drafted much. nobody got drafted yeah. or you know said oh Jesus place is horrible I can't like I would have never worked there. I would have never. I mean, I, well, I, I, know, I almost never. No, no, there. they would have never asked me, <laughs> and it wasn't. It wasn't something like I. I didn't want to take home car, and right. I, I didn't want the phone. I didn't want anybody calling me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I understand. Uh, when I, understand. I was done, I was done. I right. hated when I caught a, You know, when I had a case, and my sergeant used to call up, be like, "Where's that case?" <sighs> Cause now I gotta I gotta tell my partner, listen, do me a favor, get it out of the. Cause I used to put them in the drop ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a drop ceiling, so I used, I used to have to tell my partner, hey, yeah, it's in the drop ceiling. Go with it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Now so, with yeah. the new DD five system, you can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> well, it isn't so new. It's actually right. pretty old now, right. but it's crazy. But um, so this is building up right after now. after nine eleven though a lot of they took the whole entire Brooklyn North homicide team into JTTF they were kidnapping some of the best cops everywhere to go to JTTF in fact I was called I was in homicide for three months I got a call from the chief of detectives and he said I saw your application he goes if you want to go this is your interview right now and I said chief you know I, I just got into homicide right. if I leave I'll my name will be fucking mud uh -huh. you know so I uh -huh. I had you know. I couldn't leave. I just couldn't, you know. I almost wanted to because right. that is like a huge stepping stone after you get off the job. Yeah. You got that, what, that clearance thing, you know. Yeah, and, you know, I was very naive about all that stuff because I just, again, I didn't want to go. I was yeah. like, you know, when, when I was comfortable, it's like, how many more years do I have to go? I had, like, basically six more years to go, and I'm like, do I really want to leave at this point? I mean, I'm, right. I'm really enjoying myself. And I really love the people, so it's like, you know, I have everything. And I had steady days off, so, and overtime. But that's a career path thing, too, that you can use for once you get off the job, which yeah. you, it's you have off. done. It's, it's paid off. Were you ever, like, at a party, and then all of a sudden, like, um, the police helicopter comes in and lands at the party, <laughs> and then they call you... Christopher, we gotta go. And you like, you say goodbye to everybody. And yeah, you run, yeah. Run We're going to Baghdad. They, they, they threw me my plate carrier, and I got it. You know, my M4. And then, and then the helicopter picks up, and it takes off. You know, the no, the, the, the answer no. But my wife always says, to, she says, oh, he's like Jack, like Jack. You know, what do you think? She, mm -hmm. My wife's is very authentic uh, New Yorker. Says. What do you think? You're fucking Jack Bauer? Like that she would say to me. And I'm not even exaggerating. She would say that many times. And uh, so, but uh, no, I never got whisked away in a helicopter. That's pretty cool. So. All right, we, uh, we're we at the end of the first half of this, and this was a great, great first this part. Didn't even uh, do this I had so much by, fun. Man. Flew by. We had a, now we're going to get it to the good stuff. If, if you thought the first half was fun, wait till you hear the second, uh, second half coming up. What are we going to cover? We're going to take a break. <laughs> we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about uh, how you wound up getting over to Baghdad. And doing your into uh, practicing your intelligence work over there with Absolutely. the with the real bad guys. Did you and take the BQE? Book, to how Baghdad? this book Brooklyn to Baghdad, uh, Baghdad came to be. All right, so uh, that was a great first half, Bill. We're gonna take a break now. We'll be back uh, until then. Police off the cuff. We'll be back after five minute break. We're, going, we're taking the <laughs> sixty three right now. <laughs> <laughs> 